defends from dummy half. It's with the halfback, William. Williams goes himself, comes out the other side, gets it to Croker, bounces away from a would-be from De Goyce, puts a kick out wide, looking for Shander Earl, and Earl is in again. Oh, stop it, it's starting to hurt. Rugby league. Rugby league. Hello and welcome to episode four of the Supercoach Playbook pre-season podcast. I'm your host, Tim Williams. On tonight's show, we're going to be looking all of, at all the NRL news from the week and the Supercoach ramifications to come out of that. We're going to take a deep dive into the 5-8 position for this year leading into round one. We're also going to answer a few questions that we had on Twitter and Facebook from a few of our audience. So hopefully we'll get to them. The ones we don't, we're going to try and answer later on um, after the show or tomorrow morning. Uh, with me, as usual, he's been on the first few with me, the Supercoach Spy. Spy, how are we going? Very good, mate. Much better week than last week. So uh, let's get into things. Very excited. Beautiful. And we're very excited to have on the show tonight, making his debut, the 2019 champion, Supercoach Playbook contributor, who'll be with us for the whole year, Des Creek. Des, how are we? I'm good, boys. Thanks for having me on. Any time, mate. Good to have you along, Desi. A little bit about Des. He's a manly fan, unfortunately. Don't hold that against him. We can't all be <laughs> mighty Canberra Raiders fans. Uh, he's, he's been travelling Asia, with a, I presume, with his winnings from last year. He did pretty well out of the old Supercoach game. So he's been over there. He is back in the country, hence why we've got him on today. Des, everyone wants to know about it. Take us through those last few weeks of last year. Um, I'm sure the last week would have been pretty nerve-wracking. I know, were you at the footy for round 25 last year, or did you avoid it? Oh, I, I bought tickets for the like our game actually, but uh, I was just too nervous to go. Last last second, I pulled out of going. <laughs> I was like, no, nah, I'm not doing it. I uh, just sat around the house with a few beers, a couple of my closest mates, and uh, sat there and watched it unfold. <laughs> 28 schooners instead, yeah. just in case. A quiet 28 schooners <laughs> for the day. And when that final game was finished, I, I think it might have been the, you'll know better than I would, it was the Penrith and Knights game. Nathan Cleary went nuts and scored 186 points or thereabouts. Were you pretty confident you'd won or how, how were you looking? Yeah, I was just, because uh, I knew what Wilson, who he captained, mm. someone had sent me a screenshot of his team, so I knew that he <laughs> he brought him with and captained him. But uh, I was worried about third place in case he'd captain Cleary, but the odds were astronomically low that he did, so... I was pretty much home and hosed. Beautiful, Excellent. mate. We've got a few more questions for you later on in the show, so we'll get to them later. Uh, guys, if you haven't seen the website yet, jump on to scplaybook.com.au. We have heaps of content from The Spy, myself, Des, Walson Carlos. Uh, Jared Croker did his team for us last week, so there's heaps on there. I did a bit of a fixture analysis for the first five rounds of the year. Uh, hopefully that helps you out making a few of the 50-50 decisions. Potentially, potentially not. Otherwise, you can get us on our social channels at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at SC Playbook 1. All right, let's get into the footy. All the news from this week. Uh, the first one was Josh Morris, which sort of looked to have come out of nowhere, looking like he's asked for an exit from the Sharks, which they turned down this morning. But, I mean, obviously he wants out. And, and it's, I mean, I myself can still see him maybe ending up at the Roosters this year. Um, Spy, do you think this will eventually eventuate? And what sort of ramifications do you think it will have? Look, these things tend to eventuate in the end, I think, but I don't blame the Sharks for holding on tight, um, given the start of the season. There's a long way to go. Supercoach-wise, though, not a bloke I've probably looked into a whole lot in the past few years. He's getting on in years now. I'd probably uh, rather a young, explosive guy, um, so not much to write home about for me there. Yeah, see, I think there's a few in there. Obviously, if it did happen, eventuate, Beemos would go back to the wing. He's expected to play centre at the moment. 
Uh, it'd push Ryan Hall out of the team. He's probably on the wing at this stage. He's 334k, which a lot of people are sort of overlooking at him at the moment, and I was one of them. But I know Walson was massively into him as a potential mid-range pod. He's 334k. Uh, he he played six games last year before getting injured. He had averaged 40 points per game. A stack of those, I think it was something like 34, were in base. He had zero tries and zero line breaks in that time. There's a bit of interest there, Spy. I think I mentioned in a previous podcast, but if he starts for the Roosters round one, he'll very, very likely be in my side. I'd say he almost definitely will be on the end of that back line, end of that team. So definitely huge interest on, on him. So massive. And if Josh Morris goes over there, he's gone. <coughs> Absolutely. He I think we should know that by round one. I'm not going to bank on that happening come round one. If if he's named for round one, I'll take him. If something happens down the line, I'll deal with it, deal with yeah. it then. Des, any interest there? Yeah, I like what I saw from Ryan Hall. I was I was talking about him a fair bit with Wilson actually last season. Uh, he he does run the ball pretty strong and hard. He has tackle bust ability. The points, the tries didn't come. So once they do, he'll he'll be super coach starter. I think. Yeah, nice. The other one, which has piqued plenty of interest, and we were only going to touch on it because it's more of an update, and we spoke about it last week, but. Um, as we tipped on the show last week that the, the minor shoulder surgery did John Bateman it had him in doubt for round one it's now looking like he might miss the first sort of four or five weeks of the year which is massive Bateman's a madman he wants to be back for round one but if you're Ricky Stewart you're not going to risk your star back rower early on if there's any chance of doing any more damage Big ramifications here in Joe Tapney, who I spoke about last week. I was pretty keen on him because I think he plays 60 to 80 minutes on the edge. Uh, Walson and the Spy weren't as keen. Um, and the other big one is Corey Horsberg. And we're, we're struggling for front row options at the moment. Horsberg's at 375k. He only averaged 33 minutes per game last year. And there's a few questions about him uh, on the Facebook chat. If he starts, he could start either on edge or at lock. Lock appears more likely, but he is doing a bit of training on the edge, really interestingly, this season at the Raiders. Um, he could be looking at 50 to 60 minutes a game, so which would bring him right into contention. Um, Des, any interest yeah, in that? Yeah, I think if he gets those sort of minutes, he's basically a must-have at 370k. He's, he, he has a good game. He can, he can bust tackles. He's got an offload. I mean, I, I don't see why you wouldn't have him. There's not not many better options there for that sort of price in the front row this season. Yeah. I, I think you'd lock him in. Yeah, with Ryan James going down, we really need that second front row to partner Payne Haas, and he could be the man. He scored at 1.21 points per minute last year, so if you can lift that to 50, 60 minutes of game time, it could be anything, Spite. I guess the only risk there, lads, is that if Johnny Bateman does come back round two or three, maybe that puts him back to a bench spot. He's not going to hurt you too badly there, but there is a little bit of a risk that you might have to trade him early, but certainly the upside is pretty enormous. We'll probably know a lot more going into round one, what the situation of the Raiders is. So yeah. something to keep an eye on. For sure. And the last one of the, the news to come out of the week was Josh Reynolds has been cleared by the NRL to play and uh, return to training, all that, that sort of stuff. We won't get into the off-field stuff. That was a bit of a, a bit of a shambles. But the ramifications this does have is the potential player swap with Harry Grant and Paul Momorowski. Now, that did hit a bit of a roadblock during the week, and it with the NRL, we don't know if it'll eventuate or not, but I know both clubs are very keen to get it done. Um, you'd like to think Beliak will get his way because he's that sort of guy, and he has that sort of sway in the game. Big for Harry Grant, big for Supercoach, because if Harry Grant gets the Tigers and starts, he's probably in just about every round one side to start the year. Uh, Des, 
what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I, I have him in my my team currently. Um, I had Cook and Braley, but I, I took out Cook as soon as I heard the news. I mean, <laughs> I, I said in one of my articles that Cook was basically a must-have, but if, if Grant gets 80 at the Tigers, he's not anymore. You can go without Cook for the first couple of rounds. I did last season. I didn't have Cook until round seven or eight. He's not an absolute must-have to start the season. Sometimes he doesn't start as as fast. He, he normally hits his straps two months in, maybe to the season. But yeah, I think if if Grant does get that role, you have to you have to have him. Yeah, Spite. Yeah, certainly certainly an option. I don't disagree with those comments at all. Uh, very excited to see Harry Grant potentially at the Tigers, both for the club themselves and Supercoach wise. So hopefully it happens. And pending what happens with the rest of our lineups and cheapies and whatnot that dual hooking option could be interesting. Yeah. Walson highlighted in one of his articles from last week, it was an 80-minute men one, um, the guys that are absolute must-haves if they do turn into 80-minute roles. And there's a few guys who should get it. There's a few who probably won't get it, who need an injury or two. Harry Grant was one of them, and while it's obvious, he highlighted a few of his, a few of his stats from last season, and he's just an absolute beast. So have a look at those. Um Plenty of questions come in for, for Dez and how he went last year. People want to know the secret to success. How did you get there? What not? So I'll harass him for a couple and then we'll get on to the 5-8. The um, everyone wants to know how your rank went throughout the year. Everyone wants to hear that you were coming 50,000 after 10 rounds and you, you chased the points and eventually you got there and dug yourself back into it. I don't think it turned out that way. Um, tell us a little bit about how your rank went throughout the year. Okay, so... Uh after round one, I was about 29,000th. That was obviously the lowest I, I, I got to. I had a big round two. Um, and then, yeah, after round two, I was going about 1,000th. Round three, dropped down to 50th. And then after round four, I was in the top 10. And I didn't leave the top 10 for the rest of the season, basically. I think I hit rank one in week eight. And then I went to rank two for four weeks. And then I held rank one for the rest of the season, basically. Yeah, so there's not exactly a rags to riches story there of, of coming from the bleachers and, and fighting your way back into the contest, but I mean, it, it does show how good a year you had, and I'd like to get a few other past champions' thoughts on where they were. Uh, we'll chat to Walton about how he ended up coming second last year, and if he was a little bit further back. It's a tough question, but the million-dollar question is, for a lot of people, how far do you think you can get back after, let's say, seven or eight rounds... Um, and still be a logistical chance of winning at Spy. I know you've got a good example of what you did a few years back. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, the Geordie Rapana year of 2016. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me at the moment, but it was about 26,000th or something around that after about seven or eight rounds, which is a long way back. It was a disappointing start. So I took a flyer on Geordie Rapana one Saturday night. He churned out four tries against the Tigers. I also had BJ Leilua, and I'd also stacked my side with Jared Croker. So the 60-odd points they put on them got me flying, and the Raiders went off for the rest of the year. I actually managed to go from 20,000th into about 400th in the space of two weeks, and that was seven or eight or nine rounds into the competition. So it can be done. The thing I would say is I absolutely killed it from then on, and I still finished about 400th, so I wasn't in a position to win it but I was in a position to come back into the top 1,000. But you still want to, I think, probably start well better than that if you're going to take out 
the top prize, and we'll get Des's thoughts on that. Yeah, and it's probably a tough one for Des because he didn't really have this issue, but <laughs> what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I, I think you can't fall more than 500 points behind the leader at any time in the season past the first two or three weeks even because um, there's just people above you who are also going to make those amazing trades and have that luck. So there's always going to be someone in front yeah. of you who scores better than you yeah. in a particular week. Exactly, and... Spite. So I was just going to say, I actually just checked. I actually finished 140th. That was the year that happened. So I did get right back up there. But again, that 140 spots is still probably a fair amount of points in the long-term scheme of things. So like Des said, you don't want to get too far back. Yeah, nice. And Des did an article for us yesterday about uh, the idea of cash generation v. point accumulation uh, when you're making a trade. And uh, particularly probably mid-year when your team's getting fairly stacked anyway. You look at, you're making a trade, you say, all right, this guy can make me 150K, but this guy's probably going to average, you know, five or 10 points more than this guy. And it's a fine line which way you go. Most people tend to go money, money, money. Supercoach is all about creating value and getting your team worth as much as you can so you can get these big guns in. Des, you had some different thoughts. Give it, what, what, what is your idea there? Yeah, well, the, the article was a bit arbitrary, but I, I think that. Um Last season was a very easy season to make money. I think uh, years previous was a bit. It was a bit more. You need to make money, but last season everyone had stuck teams halfway through the year, and you couldn't really make up many points on people after that, which was, like helped me being a front runner. It was very hard to make points on people because everyone's team was so stacked. But yeah. I, I, it's it's hard to know whether that'll happen again this year. There's less good cheapies, I think, this season. So it might come back to making money, but my focus is just going to be chasing points again this season. Get, not, that, not get to, that hot start in yeah. and try to ride, ride high for <laughs> exactly. the rest of the year. Exactly. And that's it. There's your point of difference straight away, isn't it? Chasing those points ahead of that cash. And, you know, last year we had, like, Mike Acevos, um, Britton Nakoras, Bronson yeah. Cherish, all these guys who just went nuts. This year is just looking the complete opposite at the moment. We just have, we've, we've got no cheapies by the looks of it for round one, so it, it will impact that. But the point of it is, you know, don't just think at all about creating cash because if you're giving up points in the meantime, well, that can cost you big time. And, and I think most people have that tendency to do it. Um, anyway, moving on from that, uh, last week I did mention we talked about Cronulla's home game, Shark Park's getting knocked down or renovated, redeveloped, whatever, uh, this year. Um, so they won't be playing home games at Shark Park. I said they were between three or four grounds, which was the initial idea, but they are playing, I think it's 11 of their 12 home games at Cogger Oval. So they will have uh, a regular home base, which helps them when they were playing across three or four. Initially, that was going to be worrying, but it will help them playing there pretty regularly. Um, let's go on to 5-8, guys. Um, We'll have a deep dive into this. If you want to look at our other positions, we've spoken about fullbacks, halfbacks in the past, and centre wings on last week's show. We'll basically go from the most expensive downwards, starting at Cam Munster. A little bit of popularity early on by the sounds of it. 644k. Uh, spy into him or not? I've never owned Munster, and I've always wanted to. That's my first thoughts. Um, look, to start the year, he's probably reasonably expensive. So, again, it will come back to cheapies and what we can afford. But, look, I think he's got to be an option, um, pending the rest of your side and the balance. He's got to decide how hot do you think Munster and the Storm are going to start. Do you then just stick with him for the year? I'll be interested in both your guys' thoughts on, on that. Yeah, well... <clears throat> 
he's a funny one. I think there's always been this myth around Cameron Munster of he'll tear apart rubbish sides and score big and that. We know he does have some low, he's got a solid base, but he, he does have a few lower scores in time. Uh, I remember I pulled my team apart at about round <laughs> 23 last year. The game against the Titans down in Melbourne where everyone just thought Melbourne were just going to obliterate them. And the Titans put up a really good fight. I think Munster got 50 points or something off the top of my head. With a late try assist. With a late try assist, well. yeah. <laughs> but I did have a look into his stats from last year. So his big tons he scored last year were against the Rabbitohs and the Eels. He also had huge scores against the Broncos and the Sharks. Um, while he did have eight scores under 50 points. I personally am going to be banking on getting a few, getting a few of those under 50 scores early on, but I think the point is he he's fairly fixture-proof. He it's, doesn't worry, yeah. strong opposition doesn't worry him that much. Um, Des, Munster? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Munster. I, I brought him in just before the Anzac Day game last season. Um uh, he's at 640k he's priced where he should be he's, a, he's an absolute gun yep. he makes 30 tackles a game what other 5-8 does that like yeah, he's, he's insanely good base stats wise he can t- bust tackles has a massive ceiling can score 180 he could break the record this year against like in the right conditions you know he, I reckon you could easy start with him though at that price do you, th- do you think he'll do it? I think he might yeah I think I think Cam Smith will take a bit of a back foot um, at the storm this year, and let Munster and Pappenhausen really push it, push it uh, up a gear. Yeah, and last year was his first year without a dominant halves partner. He averaged sixty nine. It could have been more. He'll only get better, I think, this year. Yeah, um, I have to agree, and I'm excited about potentially fitting in to a round one side. Yeah, a guy who I'm eyeing off probably more than Munster is Cody Walker. At he's forty k cheaper at six hundred and three k. He started last year on fire. He averaged 80 points per game after 10 rounds, and he was probably one of the big differences in, in rankings last year for the the relatively small amount of ownership that did own him. They were flying off the back of Cody mm. Walker, and he can do the same again this year. Uh, the way I see it this year is that Latrell's coming into the Rabbitohs there. I just think it reads really well, both very well for Cody, because I think Cody gets easier tries this off it. Just Latrell paying out the back, running yeah. over the top of blokes. I think that's just points galore for Cody Walker. Uh, Spy, thoughts on Cody? Oh, it's a very good left edge, isn't it, the Bunnies? Um, that'll bring his show and go into things a bit more. He might be able to run the ball a little bit more freely off Latrell, even backing up Latrell on the inside off that offload that he loves to throw. Um, Cody's great at that stuff. I had a look today and... He's never averaged below 60 in his last four years. And, again, he's another bloke, I think, that's only getting better. So at a slightly cheaper price than Munster, he could be worth a look, absolutely. Des? Yeah, he's a great player. He frustrated me a hell of a lot last year when I didn't have him. I mean, he, he was the top-scoring player after, I think, round eight or nine. And I, I don't know how I was first place at that, at that point in time without him. <laughs> He just he killed me, but I'm not going to have him just as a matter of principle. But yeah. <laughs> you'd have won by 500 if you had him last year. Yeah, for one. Uh, it was insane. Yeah, so the issue for me is, I mean, we saw him hit the skids when he took a bit of a his confidence took a bit when he got dragged in Origin. We won't get into that because I'll get too angry. But <laughs> um, his fixtures to start the comp are pretty off-putting. He plays the Sharks, the Broncos at Suncorp, the Roosters, the Storm at Amy Park, and then the Bulldogs. Mm. So it's a really sort of unfriendly start to the year. But again, there's a lot of upside in Cody Walker, so I'm definitely tempted. <clears throat> Next on the list is Sean Johnson at 585k. 
He's a dual half 5'8", so me and the spy and Wilson spoke a lot about him last week, so we'll throw to Dez. What are your thoughts on SJ? Yeah, I think it would be a bold man to go without SJ this year. I think the Sharks are a better team than the Warriors. Um, when he was there, he could average something above 75 throughout the whole year if he stays fit. Um, I think he's pretty much close to a must-have, as must as close as you can get in, in, that, in that position. Um, yeah, I, I'm really considering starting with him. I don't have him right now. I've, I've opted for Milford, which <laughs> is, is a, yeah. it's a, it's a pod move, but I, I might reverse that and, and go to SJ. A Dez super pod move. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and next on this list is someone that, again, I'm very interested in. I don't know I've got the nads to do it, but Luke here, and there's a few questions asking about him. Look, the, the stats read pretty well, but it, it's more a, a gut feel of taking the range with Cooper Cronk retired. I just think Kiri steers the ship, he kicks more, probably a few more repeat sets, that sort of thing, and runs the show. I can see him going big this year. He's currently priced at 569k. Um, Spy, I'll throw to you and get your thoughts. I'll go last just to see what you two think. I'm a no on, on Luke Kiri. Love him as a footballer. I mentioned this early on in one of the first podcasts, but he's had some big concussion problems last year. I think there is a risk that if he gets hit again, he potentially misses more than a week or two. It could be a month. That's obviously speculative. He may not get hit, but his style of footy is very conducive to taking a knock to the melon. Um, I love his upside for points. I'm likely to get more footy. I don't like that Latrell's left him. I think that just take, puts a bit of added pressure and less space for Kiri as well. So with those couple of combinations, it's a no from the spy tonight, mate. Des? Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with the spy here. It's a no for Kiri for me as well. I, I just don't think he'll have as good a year. The concussion thing's always going to be hanging over him. And also without Luchello, I just don't. I don't think his upside's going to be as big. I don't think the Roosters will be as good this year. In fact, yeah, fair shout. So the thing for me is, I mean, it's one of these things that could backfire badly. And to be honest, I'm, I'm probably more tempted to go with a Cody Walker, especially at five eight, where we've we've got guys like Jerome Luau and George Williams. I probably won't be able to squeeze him in, but he averaged sixty one points per game in twenty nineteen. He in three games without Kronk. He scored 105, 34, and 53, so pretty small sample size, very inconclusive. He only scored under 53 times last season. He scored over 95 times and scored three tons. Um, there was a nine-minute game in his minutes last year as well, so I just think it reads really well for him. But I like your point about the no Luttrell. Um, there's just there's not probably going to be defenders holding off, off him as much as they did last year because of Latrell and vice versa. That's going to do really well for Cody Walker in his space. Uh, Connor Watson is another guy that Walson was really interested in should the minutes arrive. It sounds like he won't get that sort of uh, Brandon Smith-style lock roll at the, at the Knights that we were hoping he was going to get. There were a few whispers. Um, he sounds like he probably won't start at 5'8". He still looks like 14 to the number for him leading into the year, but who knows. Let's say hypothetical he does start, be it 5'8", be it hooker, spy. Is there any interest there? There's definitely interest from a points point of view, but again, just that risk around his position. He could drop back to a bench at any time. I couldn't take him purely on that fact. Uh, Des? Yeah, how much does he cost? He's five, 507k. Oh, okay, it, it's probably a little too much. There's probably better value out there for those positions. 
I'd say uh, anything over 500k. Yeah. If he was 400, I think you could take a serious look at him. Yeah. Yeah. And but. and the the point Wilson made was that in seven games at number nine, he averaged 73.4 points, which is just nuts. So with Jaden Braley there, obviously that's not going to happen. But if he can win that lock roll and even play 65, 70 minutes, he could be a serious option. So just keep an eye on it. But again, I, I wouldn't be considering him until we see him named in round one teams. Got us quickly throw back to Cody Walker. I did also note that Rabbitohs do play the first bye week, so if you're not sure, if you're in a 50-50 lock and you want someone like Cody, then you know he covers that week. You don't have to use a trade to get him in. I quite like that. I don't know about you guys, but I think it's just a bit of added bonus there. Yeah, and on the flip side as well, while I think he'll still be a, a smoky, well, more than a smoky for Origin, but I think Luke Keary's probably the guy who starts at 5'8", come Origin 1, mm. uh, with Maloney gone alongside Nathan Cleary, but uh, that's a fair way away for now. Yeah. Uh, Jackie White at the Raiders, getting a little bit of interest. Des, anything for you? He's at 497k. Yeah, well, I know Wilson brought him in late last year as a, a sort of pod move to make some points on me. He definitely has an upside. Um but I, I just don't I don't see him competing with some of the other guys in, in the position there. Like, you're always going to take a Sean Johnson over a Whiten for me. Spite? Yeah, I, I agree. Enough yeah. said. I agree. Yeah, I'm a little bit the same. Won't delve into that too much. Um, one guy that has piqued a lot of interest is Anthony Milford. I know a lot of people are throwing him in their sides as a, I suppose, a bit of a pod, but I think he's going to have some, some relatively decent ownership. Uh, he starts the year at 476k based on a 51 points per game average last season. Um, Spy, Milf? Milf has been an absolute roller coaster for me over the years. About four or five years ago, he at Brookvale Oval, Des was probably there. He burnt past about 12 manly defenders to score under the posts, including falling over halfway along the run. And it won me a head to head comp and about 1000 bucks. So I absolutely love the man. For the last two years, he's killed me. Every time I've brought him in with that. That love from the past, he's just burnt me. He hasn't been fit. You can watch him after five minutes and you know how fit he is. Just that ability to bounce out of tackles, offload, tackle bust hasn't been there. And for me, Mill thrives on that. So unless you see him running the ball consistently and looking agile, then not for me. But in saying that, he's cheap. So if you take the punt and he comes in healthy and fit after a good preseason, Milf could be anything. The talent is there. Yeah. Des is in your sta- side of this stage. <clears throat> yeah, I, I was reading what Wilson was writing about the Broncos and what, what Seawold could potentially turn that team into. They've got the players to win the comp, I think. And I think if they're going to win it, Milford's going to average at least 70, 70 plus in Supercoach. Uh, I just think he's he's worth the risk at that price. Yeah, may as well chuck him in and, and hope. Look, yeah. he won't go. He shouldn't go worse. That's one thing. Yeah. Last year was a down year for him, and the year before. Yeah. So the worst case is he should still average his fifty. You're not going to get too burnt by it. The upside's there. Pending money again, it's someone you have to have a look at pretty closely come round one, and I'd love to watch him in a trial, and I'll definitely do so if I get the chance just to see how he's looking. Yeah, look, I'm I'm not keen on him. I think you're spot on, though. He's not going to have a worse year. The big thing will be, I, I do think that Broncos pack with Fafida and Haas and Lodge, TPJ, these guys, I think they could just cause a riot this year with a bit more experience behind them, and I think Mills the big benefactor super coach wise The issue for me is... He scored under 50 in 15 games last season. Yeah. I know they were shifting between fullback and the halves a little bit, but that's a lot when you... I mean, we know 476k is cheap for him, but it's still a lot of money for a guy with that. He scored under 35 points in seven games last season, which are some pretty low numbers. 
when you're comparing him to guys like Cody Walker and Cam Munster and Sean Johnson and these sort of guys, so you know maybe he'll be a, a first five rounds, earn that hundred k, and then you can upgrade him or potentially be a keeper, but not for me. Uh, another one who I, I think Des, you might have picked a little bit of your interest. I started with him last year; he was okay, but didn't hit his straps. Michael Morgan at four hundred and seventy-two k. He's averaged 51 and 44 in the past two years. Pretty underwhelming, but 59 in the, all three side seasons prior to that. What are your thoughts, Des? Yeah, well, I, I, you weren't alone last year. A lot of people started with him. I, I opted for Moses or Cherry Evans or someone like that over him. But, yeah, uh, he was just way too highly owned. This year, he hasn't got much ownership. I think that the Cowboys will be better. Yeah. And I think that he should average higher. It's as simple as that. Just a little humble brag there. What, you didn't have DC and Moses to start the year last year? <laughs> There's going to be a whole year of that this year and it's going to kill me, but that's all right. Spy? That's it. Um, firstly, I love Michael Morgan as a player. I really, really do. He's a big big game player. I just I fully expect him to come out last year and, and go pretty damn well. And he just didn't all year. Even at the back end of the year, he wasn't quite back to his best. So for me, I just can't do it. The question mark is, I just don't don't know if he can get back to his super coach best in that in that current lineup. Yep, um, we spoke about Kyle Flanagan last week. I know the Spy is keen on him, so if you want to in depth listen to him, check out last week's podcast. But Spy, just a quick rundown on why you <coughs> like Flano. Yeah, I think it was a couple of weeks ago the half halfbacks podcast. But the facts are, he started for the Sharks last year, and I think it was six games. He averaged mid fifties. I know a lot of people will think that he might see some less footy at the Roosters, but for me, his style of game doesn't change too much. He's also a very good support player, so if they're making busts up the middle and off the back of Teddy, then he might score some extra points there. He's also going to goal kick, so pending that goal kicking happening, I I can see him potentially averaging in the 60s, which is just easy money early, plus the points factor that Des speaks about, so it's a double win for mine. Um, that's obviously a little gamble. He's had a new club, new combinations, but something I'm pretty keen on at this stage. Geez, that was brief. Don't worry about listening to last week's uh, podcast. <laughs> cover it there. Um, Chanel Harris Tavita. There's a bit of interest for him at 385k. Look, I looked into his stats today. I did a Warriors team analysis, and I don't think the upside's really there. He may even start off the bench with Cody Nickream there as well. Um, but if you like him, go for it. But very low base stats with CHT. Uh, AJ Brimson's an, an interesting one at 359k, especially this year when we might be looking at a fair few mid-ranges to start the year because the cheapies aren't on offer. He had 69 minutes per game last year. Des, any interest in AJ at fullback for the Titans? Yeah, I, I actually do like him there. I think he's a great player. He's, he's definitely got supercoach super calibre about him. He's, he's fast, he can bust tackles. That's, that's cheap for Brimson. He's, I'd seriously be looking at him, and I will be. Very good, Spite. Yeah, look, he's. I've had a little bit of a look at him. His stats weren't quite as good as I thought he was watching him play actual footy. Um, he's a little bit up and down, but again, at that price and the talent he has, if he gets a full preseason under the belt as well, jeez, um, the boy can run. So yeah, worth a look. Absolutely. Yeah, there's two things to me with AJ. <clears throat> I mean, slightly tempting, but I won't be going there. One thing is the upside in the fact that. The Titans can surely only go up and put more points on to be a better side than they were last year. This bodes well for Brimson. The downside is that he's still playing at the Titans who don't look overly appealing this year, so yeah. it's a no from me. In saying that as well, I'm I'm also a no. Despite that upside, I'm a no. Yeah, we've spoken about George Williams over and over again on the podcast. I think we're all pretty keen on him. Des is in your plans at the moment. Yep, I've got him I've got him in my team. Yeah. So 
It's as simple as that. He's pretty much a must-have at, at that price. Yeah, and the, the stats that he's sort of correlating over, you have to have him. Yeah, in previous years when we had stats of cheapies, you might be able to have an SJ instead of a George Williams. But when there's sort of almost 300k to be saved there, I think you've got to do it for round one, Spy. Yeah, I was sort of on the, the train that English backs might, might not come over and play as well. Um, and I've done this in the past with, say, Cook last year where I was hoping he wouldn't go as well and everyone has him. I think that's the risk if you don't start with him, if I look at doing something like that. If he does come out and kill it, I'm straight behind the eight ball to begin with. So the upside of probably just starting with him is probably the safe, smart option, certainly listening to you, listening to you boys as well. And if he does look ordinary in the initial weeks, then maybe you take a pun on getting rid of him. But it's something I do want to have a little bit more of a think out, think about before I lock him in 100%. And that's it. And for any inexperienced Supercoach players out there, players' values do rise and fall after three games. So we get a free look at them in the opening weeks of the year. So there won't be any price changes until after round two. So guys that you do want to take a gamble on, if they do flop, you it'll cost you a trade, but it's not the end of the world. Yeah. Um, let's jump to a few questions and we will jump onto the Facebook and Twitter chats and try and answer a few of them after the show tomorrow, the next day, throughout the week. Um, but we'll get through a few now. The big one, which is really interesting, is we'll throw to Nick Hines' question. He says, with Hooker looking the only position with two, maybe three guaranteed cheapies, I'm finding it harder to find a spot for Cook. Any love for a combination with Appy, Braley, Grant, and having McGuinness as a second row forward as a get-out strategy in case one of them fails? Spy, I'll throw to you. Yeah, we were chatting about it earlier today, and the way it's looking, you may have to look at doing something like this. Um, We were chatting in the car today about potentially, with the lack of cheapies around, you might want to look at doing some sides now and keeping a couple hundred thousand dollars in the bank in order to upgrade some of those cheapies if they don't come through. The worst thing you'd want to do at this stage is get excited about a red-hot lineup you've got on paper, then you have to tear it apart because none of the cheapies get named. So... Have a look at it and see what kind of money you can get with those two hooking options, the two cheaper guys. Um, it's certainly something that may we may be forced into a little bit, and I don't hate it because there, there is a little bit of talent at at um, lower prices. Des? Yep, yeah, I've currently got that set up. I've got McInnes in my second row. If, if something doesn't go to plan with those cheap hookers, you can just slide him on up there. Yep. Yeah. So it's quite an easy... Um, manoeuvre to make it is and you're the same as me I was Cook was my first bloke picked prior a, a month or two back and now that we're seeing this lack of cheapies um, and the cheapies emerging at hooker I think it's a very serious tactic and which also brings in Cook as a pod potentially should that should yeah. that be how it eventuates so it's really interesting to start the year um, one from Walson Carlos our contributor has written in Walson so for Des it's fair to say most teams will have Cook Haas and Lolo if you had to leave out one for cap management purposes, who would it be, or are they non-negotiables? I think Haas is non-negotiable. You have to have him. Uh, out of Lolo and Cook, uh, I'd, I'd choose Cook to leave out. I think just, just purely based on what we were just talking about, the, hook, the cheap hooking options. Um, I think Lolo, you know you know what he's going to produce. Yeah. He's, he's going to average 70, um, 70 plus. He's like Cook... Mm, yeah, no, Cook would be the one that I'd leave out out of those three walls. Nice. Uh, Robert Pauly, currently have Tedovano with Huss as my second front row forward and don't feel good about it, especially if I get an injury. Any other similar priced options? And should I have someone better than Musgrove and 
I can't pronounce his last name, but <laughs> good journalism. Uh, the Parramatta prop forward. The young gun going to the Tigers. Stefan Utah. Not even try. Uh, we know who we're talking about. Uh, again, very he's mentioned here, but teamless Tuesday dependent um, for depth. Um, on Musgrove and that fella, um, again, we've just got to wait till teamless Tuesday and just touching on it, but the spy said it before, but leave 100K in your cap because people are stacking their sides with seven, eight uh, cheapies in this team that probably aren't going to get named. They're going to get to team this Tuesday and they won't get named or likely won't get named and they're going to have to tear their side apart and all the pre-season planning will be for nothing. So try and keep 100k in there at least. I'd say even more. 100k probably doesn't buy you a lot under the current cap. Maybe look at 200k. Um, but it's just something worth thinking about and just being aware that if you have used all of your cap, it might not be the team you start with. Yep. Um, I'll jump into this one because I don't rate Tedavano. I don't have the numbers in front of me. Um, I have. I did do a, a Penrith team analysis during the week, but I think off the top of my head, Tedavano might have averaged 35, 40 minutes at the Roosters last year. You know, I think he scored at about 0.9 points per minute. So even with a 5 to 10 minute increase, I don't see him making that much money. There's not any attacking upside to him. I think a better option will probably be Corey Horsberg. Uh, and we mentioned even if Bateman does sort of come back after three or four weeks, I think we can get a couple of nice rises out of Horsberg. And I still think he plays increased minutes on the 33 game he played last year. So he'd be an option for me. Josh Papali is another guy that I really like in the front row. He's a bit of a pod this year. It is a weak position, so maybe stacking the front row could be a good move. He played less minutes last year, but his points per minute went through the roof. Um, guys, anyone else in the front row that we're looking at? I'm looking at Tapel. I, I thought he was playing injured all of last year, pretty much. I, th- I thought he had a bad knee. I, I couldn't tell exactly. I couldn't put my finger on it. But I think Tapel will be back to his best this year. He'll be probably the second best front row forward. Yeah, Spy? Yeah, I had Tapel last year as well. Agree, he looked hurt a lot of the season. Um, Des limited his minutes a bit at times as well, so if you can get some minutes back and maybe a little bit fitter. He loves an offload, he's damaging, he'll probably break the line a little bit more, or at least bust some tackles. Um, in saying that, I probably won't be able to start with him, and I do like the idea of Corey Horsburgh, especially pending team lists in round one. Um, the kid is such a good player, he's got a huge motor, Ricky loves him down there, um, He's just very good. Yeah, Big Red won't let us down. Uh, a couple more and then we'll wrap it up. And it's an interesting question from Rick Pacey. Uh, apologies if I pronounced that wrong. Looking like no decent bottom dollar cheapies and so many top end players. How many non-playing reserves or nuffs are okay to start with? So that's players who aren't playing in round one, haven't been named. Thinking Talao and S Masters at Souths. Is it crazy to clog the centre wing with, with nuffs? Spy? Yeah, I think it probably is. Um, I don't mind the idea of having one nuff on your bench just to allow possibly a loophole or something like that. Um, but you don't have too many because that's easy money-making opportunities. Even young guys that make 40 grand, it's still 40 grand at the end of the day and they've got the chance that they're going to make more money. Obviously, someone who's not playing has no chance to make money. So you don't have too many, but I don't hate the idea of having maybe one guy on your bench that, that doesn't yeah. play. And even someone like Masters, if you've got them there, particularly rookies, they might not play the entire year and you've just got them sitting there and you just you can't afford to have that, particularly over the buy periods. Inevitably, they're going to get traded at some point and it's just a waste of a trade. 
I know it's tough with the lack of cheapies, but if you have to spend an extra 70k to get maybe someone like Kurt Mann in your side, yeah. I think it's probably worth doing. Des, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think one's enough. You could even just go zero, I think. I, I yep. don't think I started with any enoughs last year. Yep. Just all about making money for those first couple of rounds. You only really need them over the buy rounds, I for think, sure. yeah. Yep, Okay. Yeah. Nice. Anyway, that's it for today. Well, uh, Des, thanks for a pretty stellar debut, mate, and we're pretty keen to have you on for the rest of the year, so happy days, mate. Can't wait, boys. Spite. Cheers, Des. Cheers, Tim, mate. All right, cheers, guys. Thanks for tuning in.